morning everyone and greetings from Gateway West. Just to remind you that there is such a place and it exists and anyway, hi, good to be together. Um, I just came over with Donna this morning. Donna is going to come and preach in just a moment but I just wanted to um, introduce Donna to you. Um, Well, most of you will know her but um, hopefully you might know that a couple of weeks ago, both Donna and I were in India together with the wider family of churches we were a part of, Regions Beyond. And whilst we were there, um, we had a few days as a leadership gathering, looking at the values of Regions Beyond, just digging into um, some of those values, um, seeking to understand what they are and how they play themselves out amongst us. And one of those values was around mission. And Donna had been asked to present a, a paper on mission and to preach and teach into it. And I sat there and listened and I thought, we so need to hear this. We, it's such an important um, message that Donna was um, encouraging everyone there with. And I think for us, it's actually quite a defining message too. I think it's one of those um, mindset shifts of how we think about who we are and what God has called us to be and do in this world. And as I sat there, I just thought, we need to get hold of this gateway. This, needs, this for me is a foundational word that, that God wants to put some foundations right in our thinking, in the way we understand the local church, who you and I are, um, individually as followers of Jesus and what our purpose is in life. So um, I said to Donna, Donna, will you, um, will you preach and teach into this for us at Gateway in the next few weeks? So originally this was about, this um, Sunday was better together, um, better together reaching out, reaching our communities um, as a local church together. But I thought, first of all, we need to hear and get, make sure our foundations are right in, in who are we and what has God called us to be? What's our bigger mission? And we can look at the hows and the where's and the what's of that down the road. But it's great to have Donna here. As most of you will know, Donna has been leading our work into Burundi um, over the past good number of years now. And increasingly, I really believe that God is going to use Donna for us and Gateway and our wider family of churches as a springboard of pulling us into what God is doing across the nations of the world, helping build us, um, helping strengthen us in our understanding and expectation of the kingdom and the mission of God wider afield. Donna, you can get on. Why don't you come up? Let's welcome Donna. Thank you. Hi, Gateway East. Hello. Good to be with you, Um, even though I'm nervous, but um, it's great to be over here. So let me launch straight in. So as Colin was saying, uh, we were in India and uh, the focus of our time with um, the Regions Beyond Leaders was looking at things that make us distinctive um, as the people of God. What will people find as they come amongst us? And one of those, um, the title that I was given to um, to look at was Devoted to Mission, that we are called to be a people that is devoted to mission. Now, probably we'd agree with that, um, but I want us today to look at what does it look like for us as Gateway to be a community of believers devoted to mission? What does it look like for the wider church to be a people that are devoted to mission? And in preparing for the talk, I started to brainstorm and just think, actually, what does it really look like? And I felt like God highlighted some things um, to me where he just wanted to call us on, where he wanted to say, you know what, I've got more for you in this. There's there's more. And as Colin was saying a couple of weeks ago, you know, the purposes of God are broader, deeper, wider wider than we've really grasped so far and and I believe that um, in this area he he is wanting to say I've got more for you so in order to look at 
what is mission? Could you just think for a moment, how would you define mission? If somebody says to you, what is mission and why is it important? What would you say? That was a question that Colin asked me about four years ago. I was chatting to him and he, and he challenged me and suggested that I wrote a paper on my theology of mission, my biblical understanding of what mission is and of why it's important. And at that time, I didn't really think why he asked me to do that because to be really honest, I thought I knew what mission was. And uh, you know that I'm working in Burundi and uh, I lived in Burundi um, for three years from 1999 as a missionary and um, I'd worked running teams as as my job for the New Frontiers group of churches, sending people on short-term mission trips. I'd been on teams. I'd done cross-cultural mission training. So to be honest, I kind of thought I knew what mission was. Um, Colin obviously realised I didn't have a very good understanding of it, which is why he suggested I wrote the paper. And as I wrote and studied and prepared to write this paper, and then he'd asked me to come and present it to the eldership team, I discovered that I was in for a very big shock and that my thinking didn't actually line up with with scripture. And uh, I think it's fair to say that my understanding of mission was based around the Great Commission in Matthew 28, where Jesus says to his disciples, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded them. Now, of course, that's the command of Jesus. And that's absolutely right that we take that seriously. But if we only look at that, we miss the reason for mission. And I think we miss what was in the heart of God. And when Colin challenged me to, um, to, to, to prepare this paper, I, be, I knew that I was going to have to bring it to the eldership team. And that's quite, that was quite scary to think I had to do that. And so I really studied and I, and I challenged myself that I wouldn't believe anything about mission unless I could find it in scripture. That whatever I'd believed up until that day, that I wanted to set it aside, regardless of who taught it to me, um, that I was going to set it aside and I would only believe what I found in the Bible. And so I started studying from, um, from Genesis and kind of tracing God's big picture through history, through the Old Testament and into the New Testament, ending in Revelation. And I discovered that actually, unless we have that big picture, we, we're, we're missing so much of, of what it's about. So in terms of getting the heart of God, I went back to, uh, to Genesis. And as I say, I'd looked at, um, all these various scriptures and of course I read books and listened to people but it's like I will only believe it if I can see evidence of it in the Bible and I found that we are made by God for God first and foremost he made us for him all things it says in Colossians 1:16, all things have been created through him and for him and Isaiah 43, 7, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Did you catch that? Whom I created for my glory. And Isaiah 43, 21, the people I formed for myself that they may proclaim my praise. And in John 4, verse 23, it talks about how the father is seeking worshippers. For me, it was a revelation. God didn't make me to save me. He made me to worship him. He made us first and foremost to enjoy him, to delight in him, to worship him 
and to bring glory to him. Isn't that incredible? You know, to worship something is to give it value. And so when we're worshipping God, we're expressing to him his worth. We're recognising that he is worthy of glory and honour and praise. And so I began to understand that we are made for worship. We are made to be worshippers. We have been created for God's glory and that actually we are taking part in his mission of him being glorified. So of the many things that God showed me as I did that study, the ones, one of the ones which stands out above everything else is that the motive of mission is not first and foremost about the lost being saved, but it's actually about God receiving the glory and honour that he is due. And if we don't get that focus right, actually we're denying God the worship that he's due. And yes, of course, it's a priority for us um, to see the lost saved. It's urgent and it's important. And of course we want that. But it's not our primary call in life. Our primary call is to be worshippers because God is worth it. He is worthy, absolutely and utterly worthy of anything that we can bring to him. And so as I began to study this, I began to study the the nature of God. And, you know, when we talk about this, because of our human understanding, we can sometimes think, well, isn't it a bit wrong that somebody would create beings to worship them? But it's like, actually, when we look at who God is, we see that actually that's the only appropriate response. And so um, I'm just going to whiz through um, just some characteristics and attributes of the of the nature of God um forgive me if I don't give you all the references but it would take too long um but just listen and just focus on this is who our God is compassionate gracious slow to anger abounding in love faithful maintaining love to thousands forgiving wickedness rebellion and sin He is merciful. He will not abandon us or destroy us. He is God of gods and Lord of lords, mighty and awesome. He is our refuge and our strength. He is ever present in trouble. He is our saviour. He daily bears our burdens. The God who saves the sovereign Lord, through him comes escape from death. He bestows favour and honour. He has become our fortress, my God, the rock in whom I take refuge. He is gracious and righteous. He is light. There is no darkness in him. God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. He is worthy. And then... Uh, I began to just look at passage after passage that just describes God. And this isn't an exhaustive list, but let me just highlight some of these things to you. He's eternal, infinite, self-sufficient and self-existent, omnipresent. So he's present everywhere, omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing. He's unchanging, he's sovereign, he's wise, he's holy, righteous and just, faithful, true and truth. Good, merciful, gracious. He is love. He is spirit and he is light. 
And if we look at the names of God, they just reveal again who he is. The Lord God Almighty, the Lord our righteousness, the Most High God, the Lord who sanctifies, Master, the Lord who heals, everlasting God, Jehovah, our provider, our banner, our peace, our shepherd, Lord of hosts. He is the only one that is worthy of glory and honour and praise. And the only right response from, from us is to recognise that. And, and as we see him, as we recognise his worthiness, that we too will, will, will worship him as we were designed to do. And uh, Revelation 4.11 refers to the 24 elders when they lay their crowns before the throne and they said, you are worthy our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. So when we reflect on who God is, we really are reminded that he is worthy. And I think it's incredible that he made us not to do a job for, for him, but he made us to enjoy him and to worship him. We are made for worship. We are made to bring him glory. We are made to take part in his mission of him being glorified to the ends of the earth. And there's a a pretty well-known quote by um, John Piper who states in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Worship exists because, sorry, missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not mission, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and when the countless millions of redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. Worship is the goal of missions because in missions we simply aim to bring the nations into white hot enjoyment of God's glory. The goal of missions is the gladness of the peoples in the greatness of God. It is also the fuel of missions. You can't commend what you don't cherish. I love that. The goal of missions is simply to aim to bring the nations into the white hot enjoyment of God's glory. And it has to start in us. It has to start in my heart, in your heart. It's what we were made for. And so in this study, I discovered that the ultimate passion, the ultimate foundation for our passion to see God's God glorified is his own passion to be glorified. Isaiah 48 says, for my own name's sake, I delay my wrath. For the sake of my praise, I hold it back from you so as not to destroy you completely. See, I have refined you, though not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction for my own sake. For my own sake, I do this. How can I let myself be defamed? I will not yield my glory to another. So if we are to be a people who are truly devoted to mission, we first have to grasp the ultimate motive of mission and this is summed up by John Stott and he says the highest of missionary motives is neither obedience to the great commission important as it is 
nor love for sinners who are alienated and perishing, strong as an incentive that is, especially when we contemplate the wrath of God, but rather zeal, burning passionate zeal for the glory of Christ. So what does it look like to be a people who are devoted to mission? A people who are devoted to mission will first and foremost be worshippers, worshipping communities, passionate about the glory of God. Discovery number two. As I traced through and did this study in the big picture, um, I said I started in Genesis. I began to understand more than I ever had before that God made us in his image and that makes a big difference. That means man is like God and gets to represent God. We are image bearers. Catch that for a moment. That is just incredible, isn't it? That just us, we see ourselves as just mere human beings, but actually we are the only thing that's created that gets to reflect God, that gets to reflect his image. We are uniquely positioned. We know creation is so beautiful, so magnificent. There's so much that displays parts of God, but it's actually only us that get to reflect him and get to... um, a position to to bear his image and therefore to bring him glory. Genesis 1, 26 to 28 says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And as I read that scripture, as well as being struck by the fact that we are image bearers, I also saw that actually it was God's intention to populate the whole earth with people that reflect him, but also will establish his rule on earth. And I'd never really seen that before. I'd always thought of mission as being about telling people, not really about seeing the rule and of, of, of God come, the kingdom come, the rule and reign of our King Jesus extend. That's what the kingdom is. His rule, his reign, his dominion. So God's intention was that the whole earth would be populated with people who reflect him, praise him, live for his glory and establish his rule and his reign. So for me, my motive, the motive of, of mission had, had been reshaped and challenged. And now God was challenging me on how we do mission. We have a mission. We have an assignment to see the kingdom of God established on earth as it is in heaven. And this mission hasn't been completed yet. We're not there yet. You know, think of the Lord's Prayer and how Jesus taught us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven is God's standard. Heaven is our, our model for what he wants it to be like here on earth. And yes, we know that, that before Jesus returns, it won't be perfect. But that doesn't mean that we settle for that because we get to advance and extend his kingdom here on earth, wherever we are. Mission isn't just about salvation. It's not just about people coming, uh, sorry, going to heaven. 
but it is about seeing his kingdom be established and his dominion extended. And uh, I love um, the passage in Isaiah 61. Um, The kingdom manifesto. This is what we're here for. This is what we're about as the people of God. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to release from darkness and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendour. You know, that passage talks about transformation. It's very practical about about, uh, demonstrating who God is to people. And I love, I love that passage, as I said, and it's challenged me hugely. Um, it's affected how we work in um, Burundi, but it's not just about Burundi. But um, just to give you an example, in Burundi, you know that um, a few years ago, we helped to buy a piece of land um, in a community called Gatunguru that was, um, that was destroyed soon after we had the land. And um, floods and landslides came and destroyed the community. Many people were killed, um, lost their homes, lost everything. And, you know, we had plans to establish a church there. We'd been trying, gathering people for a couple of, a couple of years and it was pretty tough, to be honest. But when that, um, when that disaster happened, as you know, we responded and many of you gave so generously and we, and we sent food and we sent clothes and we provided medical aid and we loved people. You may remember Adette who lost five children and, um, Dan and Neil came with me and we were making a, a video of the crisis and we met Adette and you know he just loved her just had to hug her and in that in that moment it's like actually what we can do means more than our words sometimes yes we need to preach the gospel but how we are and how we represent God makes an impact. She's now encountered Jesus. She says she's got hope again. She's, she's like a different woman. And, and it started with, with a hug and it started with giving money to help her get back into business and safe accommodation for her and her one remaining daughter. And you know what's happened? As we've sought to keep sing, seeking the kingdom um, in, in this particular area, We've seen that people have discovered who God is. They've come across this God that maybe they'd heard about, but they've seen that he came and he encountered them and he heard their prayers and, and he, he provided as he promised to do. And we get to play, we got to play a part in that. And you know what? Now there's a church of, of 200 meeting in a, in a, in a house on our land in Gatanguru. And those people say that they are, they're now calling themselves City Gate Church, Bujumbura. And they've met God and their lives are changing, you know, and time and time again, just over these last few months, I've just felt God just saying to me over and over and over again, seek first his kingdom, seek first his kingdom. Jesus will build his church. Jesus will build his church. And and we need to be a kingdom focused people. You know, yes, we love the church. We're the bride of Christ. We need to display Jesus to the world, but, but 
actually we're to be kingdom seekers first. You know, and, and through the church, we see the kingdom come. So what does this mean for us here as Gateway, East and West? What does it mean when we're recognising that, uh, that we're image bearers on a mission to see the kingdom of God established? You know, first of all, it highlights the significance of each and every one of us. You know, it gives our lives such value to think that we were made to enjoy God. How incredible is that? You know, we weren't made to do, do a job, as it were. We weren't, we weren't made to, to get people saved, though that's part of what we do. But uh, we were made. We were made to worship him, to represent him. I just think that is absolutely incredible. And that should free us up and, and, uh, and it should stop us disqualifying ourselves. Each and every one of us, in whatever situation that we are in, we get the privilege of representing Jesus to those around us. You know, and it's no more important to do that in Burundi or India than it is in Swindon. And it's no more important in Swindon than it is elsewhere. Every place matters. It all matters. And we all get to play a part in that. You know, I think it shatters the false belief that many of us have that mission is only for a select few, for the elite, for the super spiritual or the super brave. So often I have people coming and putting me on a pedestal, particularly those that don't know me very well, just because I go to Burundi. And it's like, that's ridiculous. God just happened to tell me to go to Burundi. I don't know why. When Mike and Annette came out to Burundi to put a kitchen in, in my house, Mike, I had a meltdown one day and Mike stood there and he's like, I don't get why God called you to Burundi. He's like, you know, you're scared of snakes. You don't like the heat. You don't know the language. You have a meltdown when you see bugs, all the rest of it. And I just stood there and I'm like, do you remember that, Mike? And I'm just like, I don't get why God called me either. It's certainly not because I'm brave. It's certainly not because I'm super spiritual. If you know me, you'll know that's the truth. It just happens that God asked me to go to Burundi. It's no more important than wherever God has put us. And yes, some of us will be called to, the, to, to other places and that's great. But what is important is that we are obedient where we are, that we are faithful with what God has put in front of us and who God has put in front of us. You know, the one, the one matters to God and our faithfulness matters to God and our obedience, when we are obedient to God, when we just say yes to him over whatever it is in our lives, that is the kingdom extending in us. Obedience is, is the rule and reign of God coming in us, that it can then come through us. So we're worshippers who get to represent God, who get to display him to those around us. And we get the mighty call on our lives to be those that will see the rule and reign and dominion of King Jesus extended wherever we are. That's quite exciting, isn't it? Yes. You're very quiet. Making me nervous. Right. So... Back to the big picture. Now, there's not time for me today to explain everything I kind of discovered as I looked at, 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 at the big picture from Genesis to um, Revelation. But of course, we know the truth is that um, at, the full, at the full, man rebelled against God. And that meant that the image of God was defiled. And from that point onwards, his image was in need of restoration and man is in need of redemption. But we have Jesus. It's good news. He is our example. He's our example of what it, what it is to live on earth as a human being. 
You know, he was fully God, but fully man. And yet he displayed his father. He revealed his father perfectly. And we are now redeemed. We are the redeemed. We get to, we get to play a part in this incredible mission of seeing God's glory come to the ends of the earth. And we are being changed. We're in the process of being conformed, of being made similar, being made more like Jesus. You know, yeah, we're a work in progress, but let's not underestimate who God has made us to be. Romans 8.29 says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. The more we become like him, the better we represent him, the more he's glorified. And the amazing thing is that as we worship, as we allow ourselves to be captivated by who God is and to give him the glory and the honour that's due, as we express that worship to him, we get changed in that process. I think that's amazing. As we minister to him, he changes us because we become like what we worship. So as we, become, as we behold Jesus, we will become more like him. He's changing us. He's not changing us so we get to be better Christians. He's changing us to be more like him, that we are better image bearers and that he is more glorified. 2 Corinthians three eighteen, And who, we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is spirit. Amazing. By worshipping him, we become more like him. Jesus is after worshippers, not converts. Yes, converts as in we know that, you know, we need to turn and, and face him. But, but he's, not, he's not after converts as the end goal. He's after his people displaying him and giving him what he's due. So preaching the gospel is, of course, vital. And please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying it's not important. It's vitally important. It's urgent. We must give ourselves to it. But that alone is not evidence of being a people devoted to mission. It's about so much more than preaching the gospel. And it's about so much more than seeing the lost saved. And so my second point is that a people devoted to mission understands that we are image bearers, passionate about representing him and about playing our part in seeing God's kingdom come here on earth. So we've looked at the why of mission. We've looked a bit at the how of mission and being kingdom advancers. And let me just draw to a close by us looking at where. A people devoted to mission will have a passion for the not just the lost, but for the nations, and that includes unreached people groups. It needs to be on our heart because it's in God's heart. We need to really grasp the full extent and nature of our mission. Isaiah 49 says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light to the Gentiles that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. And Matthew 24, 14 says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. You know, if we want Jesus to come back, we need to play our part in speeding that along. That's what scripture says to us. 
we, he won't return until the ends of the earth have been reached. You know, and, and there are over 16,000 people groups, ethnic groups in this world. And the shocking truth is that over 6,000 of those groups are unreached. The name of Coca-Cola is more famous in this world than the name of Jesus. And that is not okay, is it? It's just not okay. Around 40% of the world's population that have never heard the name of Jesus, that have no church planted among them. Guys, we need to to rise up and, and have this perspective. We need to be ready to be those that will go, that will send, that will pray, that will give. And actually that will receive. And I think this is particularly applicable to us. You know, in these days of asylum seekers and refugee crisis and all that's that's going on, we have unprecedented opportunities right here on our doorstep. You know, of those 6,000 people groups that are completely unreached, which each group, some of those groups represent millions and millions of lives. We have 32 of those groups in the UK. There's 106 people groups apparently represented in the UK and 32 of them are unreached. And so we need to see these days of opportunities to say, to say, you know what, we are going to reach out to, to those that are around us and we are not going to give in and become those who, who pick up the ugly, ugly, ungodly attitudes of, of the world around us that is only here for our own sake and our own protection. That's not who God called us to be. He called us to love one another regardless of what that person's motives are, regardless of whether they should or shouldn't be here, we have an opportunity to see them saved and they then can go back. They are the best ones to reach their own people groups. We don't even have to go to the ends of the earth. We just need to go to the ends of our streets, but with a different attitude in our hearts. It's time for us to really believe in the transforming power of the gospel, that that, uh, testimony we heard this morning. And I remember being at the Brighton Leaders Conference about five years ago and there was a a guy who gave testimony and and it's one of the most powerful testimonies I'd ever heard. And he was planning on carrying, he was an ex-Muslim who was carrying, planning on carrying out a suicide bombing. And he got saved. A lady reached out to him and he got saved. And he was on that stage in in Brighton testifying to the fact that he now actually ended up marrying that lady. And they're now in the Middle East reaching Muslims. That is who our God is. That is who our God is that breaks in and transforms lives and will transform nations as a result. And... You know, that's who we need to be. We need to take hold of that. We need to see the high calling that that God has called us to be those that will see him glorified. And what a testimony. How much glory went to God that day that man stood up in that conference in Brighton. How much glory does he get when lives are turned around and when his kingdom comes on earth? You know, Jesus deserves his inheritance He has purchased men from every tribe and tongue and nation and people group. And every one of those is needed to represent him. No one of us on our own can fully represent the image of God. We need one another. That's partly why diversity is so key, because it's right in the heart of God. So... Are we prepared to be those that will first and foremost rise to our primary calling and make sure that our lives are are a worship offering to, to God, that we will worship him, 
that we will recognise who we are, who he has made us to be with the awesome privilege of representing him. And will we be those that are truly devoted, that want Jesus to have his inheritance, that we would be prepared to surrender all for him, to lay our lives down. And that looks like the small things of a moment's obedience where we refuse to get into a certain sin. And it's in what we can see as the the bigger things of, you know, I don't know what, having a call to work amongst Islamic State, you know. But actually, the most important thing is that we will give ourselves to God where we are and that we will be obedient to wherever he sends us or keeps us. It is all equally valuable, but he is worthy. Let me end with this scripture from Revelation 7, 9 to 12. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every tribe, people, nation, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and they worshipped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honour and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Can we stand, please? Can I just um, invite you just to surrender your self afresh to, to God today? I felt just as I was preparing a sense that kind of like God wants to recommission us today. He wants us to see ourselves as he sees us. But everything needs to flow out of a heart of, of worship, of recognising who he is. And so, Father, would you come, Lord? Would you come by your spirit, Father? Would you do a new thing in us, Lord God? Father, may we truly be a people who are devoted to mission because, Lord, we're a people that are devoted to you and to seeing your kingdom come and to you being glorified and to you receiving the praise and honour that you are due, Jesus. Father, forgive us when we make it about us. Forgive us when we write ourselves out of the script. Forgive us when we disqualify ourselves and think we don't count, Lord. Today, Lord, we give ourselves to you again, Lord God. We come and and we just say, here I am, Lord. I offer myself to you for your purposes, to be a worshipper to be a kingdom advancer, to represent you to all those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.